We're going to look at two guys in the Bible. This is kind of the pre-advice that I give you. Whether you're walking in the call of God right now, praise the Lord. Whether you're not sure yet. I remember when I was 13 years old, it was my birthday and my dad came to me with a watch. And uh, he had bought it for me. It was a Seiko. And he, before he handed me the watch, he said, hey, uh, here's some advice. I want you to look after this. I want you to treat it with respect. I want you to honour it and one day you can give it to your son. Now what's cool is I'm feeling a bit old, but 24 years later, I still have that watch. It's still ready to go. And I'm going to give it to my son. But what happened is my dad said, before I give you this, I want you to make sure that you respect it. I want you to make sure you honour it. I want you to make sure you understand the weight of this. It was the most sentimental gift I've ever been given. And at the time, I saw such value in it at the start that it made me treasure it the whole way through. Now, the call of God is something to be respected, treasured, because God's a good God. And we want to honour Him with what He asks us to do. So, Father, today we pray that you would speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to look at 1 Samuel. Go to chapter 13. I'm going to run around. Then if you want to, if you're a pre-planner, also go to Judges chapter 7. Because we're going to be looking at Saul and we're going to be looking at Gideon. We're going to be looking at these two guys that faced the similar scenario. One walked out the call of God, one stuffed it up. And we're going to see what we can learn from these people. Now we have to understand both of them weren't perfect, either are we. Both of them had character flaws. So do we. But God still loved them and called them and He still does for us today. What I like about it is a few things to share with the personalities of them both is they actually, when you do a character study, like I said, not perfect, but both of them humble. In the beginning, both of them humble. Saul fell away. We're not focused on that today. But in the beginning, they were humble. I read this week and it never jumped out at me before that when Saul was being announced as king in 1 Samuel chapter 10, 20 to 22, he's nowhere to be found. So they're about to present him before the community. And it says, depending on your translation, he's hiding in the baggage. He's literally hiding away in the storage compartment because he feels awkward about being in front of people. A commentary that I read this week says, Here Saul showed a healthy embarrassment and humility. He did not look forward to being the centre stage in front of the nation. He actually seemed to dread it. Saul was not made king because of his personal ambition to gratify a desire to be in the limelight, but because he knew what he was called to do. Now we know that, Gideon, also quite humble, when God approaches him and calls him mighty warrior, his response in Judges 6.15 says, Pardon me, my Lord. Gideon replied, But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the weakest in my family. You've heard those before. What's happening is we see that there are two men. They've got a healthy humility but God gives them a great call. You see, Saul was the first king and Gideon, he, he was a military leader and a judge. So both these guys were called to leadership and were called to influence and were humble. But in the scene that we're going to set now for Saul, I'm going to set the scene for Saul. I'm going to set the scene for Gideon. And then we're going to look at the differences. 
and how we can apply it to our life when it comes to your call. Because my desire is that we get it right. That we get it right. So the scene set here in 1 Samuel 13, the Philistines who are the enemy, that's Goliath's crew. He's not there at that point, but it's that tribe. It's that army. It's that people. It says this in 1 Samuel 13, 5, the Philistines assembled to fight Israel with 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and the soldiers as numerous as the sand of the seashore. It's a lot of enemy. Okay, so this battle's coming. The opposition is large. Every button of insecurity as a king and as a leader would have been would have been pressed in that moment. We'll see why. But effectively, his army's really, really little. There's a lot of them and he's panicking. He's worried. He's stressed out. He's not trusting God. This is what's happening in this moment. Now, in the previous scripture, if you look at 1 Samuel 10, 8, don't need to turn there. I'll read it to you or it could be even on the screen. It's on the screen. He's given instructions by the prophet Samuel. Pretty clear. He says, go down. Ahead of me to Gilgal, that's the location of where the battle is going to take place. And I will surely come down to you and sacrifice burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. But you must wait seven days until I come to you and tell you what you are to do. Now, here's the action. This is what Paul does. We're going to read this, Paul. You like that? Saul. 1 Samuel 13, 7. We're going to read this together now. Some, some Hebrews even crossed the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. Saul remained in Gilgal and all the troops with him were quaking with fear. Big army, little army, scared. He waited seven days, the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal and Saul's men began to scatter. So he said, bring me the burnt offerings and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up the burnt offering. Just as he had finished making the offering, Samuel arrived. And Saul went out to greet him. Want to look here. He's finished doing the offerings. He's gone out to meet him. And Samuel's first question is, what have you done? It was written all over his face. You know, you've ever seen that? I, I, just, I just know, you know, when I don't know if you have an animal, but you know when you get home and your animal just runs for it's like, you know, what have you done? You know, something's gone wrong. There's something written on your face that you've done something. What have you done? Asked Samuel. Saul replied, When I saw the men were scattering and you didn't come at the set time and that the Philistines were assembling in Michmash, I thought, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal and I have not sought the Lord's favour. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. You've done a foolish thing, Samuel said. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. Then Samuel left Gilgal and he went to Gibeth or Gibeh in the Benjamin and Saul counted his men that were with him and they numbered about 600. 600 versus sand of the seashore. Says that he didn't come at the appointed time. He's come. He's lost his call. 
Your family would have been established forever. But now God's looking for someone else. So because of something that went down there, which we'll look at, he no longer got to walk in the call that he could have walked in. So now let's go and look at Gideon, Judges chapter 7. I'm going to give you a chapter summary here because uh, it's a lot of reading and for, for, for time I want to get to our application. Um, but pretty well, this is how it rolls. Please read Gideon chapter 7, the build-up. He's been called. He's done a few things. And then um, what's happening is Gideon, uh, he's prepared to attack the Midianites with his army. There's 32,000 of them. God lets him know that there are too many men. They might believe that they could conquer them within their own strength. So he says, you've got too many, send them home. So anybody that's scared, go. 22,000 lead, there's 10,000 left. God says, send more home. So the Lord uses like an exercise with drinking to get rid of some more and eventually the army whittles down to how many? Everyone know? 300. The Midianites have this massive army. Uh, and you know what's funny is, we'll look at it later, both of them are described the same. Countless amount of enemy, so big. And what happens is God sends him down there to reassure him. He says, if you're afraid, go and listen. He hears two guys having a conversation about a dream which confirms God is with them. So he goes back with his men and he breaks his 300 men into three companies and gave them each a trumpet, an empty pitcher and a lamp. Uh, and what they do is they go down, they break the lamps, they break the pitchers, they, they save the, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon and the Midianites, they panic and they end up killing one another. And there's this great victory. And what happens is the rest of Gideon's life, they walk in the call of God for what that people needed to do at that time. So a bad ending, a good ending. Both of them with very little, 600 men versus a countless army, 300 men versus a countless army. So there's a scenario where they're both there facing something similar, but one because of faith, which we'll look at, one because of really fear, we'll look at. They go in different ways, different directions. One doesn't walk in the call any longer. So my first observation is this. When it comes to the call of God, we need patience. Patience. Hold the line. I don't know if anybody's ever seen the movie Gladiator, but I love that moment where Maximus, he stands up and he says, hold the line, stay with me, because what you do in life will echo in eternity. It's very true. That, that, that's very true. Hold the line. So when we look at the Scripture in 1 Samuel 13, 9, Saul says, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offering, and he burns them. And then Samuel arrives, what have you done? And he says this, when I saw that the men were scattering and that you did not come at the set time and that the Philistines were assembling in Michmash, I thought now the Philistines will come down. They'll get me in Gilgal and I've not sought the favour of the Lord. Now this is the line. This is the moment. So I felt compelled to offer a burnt offering. The word in the original language for compelled Especially you look in the, in the King James Version, it gives a, a really cool picture. It's, I forced myself to. He knew he shouldn't. He knew that wasn't what he was meant to do, but he felt like I have to force this thing. 
or it isn't going to work. Now, I totally get where, where Saul is at because he says, wait seven days. That's what Samuel said to him. Wait seven days and I'll come. So on day seven, he hasn't arrived. Now, let me give you the example. We're doing 21 days of fasting. So on Tuesday, it's day 21. But the 21st day of the fasting doesn't finish till midnight on Tuesday. So day 21 is not the hot cross bun day. Day 22 is the hot cross bun day. So on day seven, Saul's waiting there. And he's like, he didn't come at the set time. Well, he said, wait seven days. It had not finished. It was not over. There was still a period of time left to run. But what happens is he starts going, I felt like I had to force something to happen. I felt compelled. I want to jump over to Gideon. A picture of patience. When I begin to read through this story in Judges 7.21, it says, While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran crying out and fled. Can you imagine if you're in the small contingents of people, you're up against a countless amount of enemy and the fact that something's going on and what you've got to do is hold the line. Wait. God is doing His thing against the enemy against the army and your job in the battle is to hold the line. Saul, I felt compelled to make it happen myself. Gideon's men, hold the line. Now, how many people do we feel in our life that sometimes we feel we need to force something? I need to make this happen. Has anybody ever been in that boat? Here, we got a, we got a bathroom. The handle's fallen off. The kids are at that age. Like, hey, we wouldn't mind one with a lock. I go, I'll buy a new handle. April says to me, sure you don't want to wait for someone to help you put that on? I'm like, shut up. I got this thing done. No problem here. You put it in. You do the thing. Now I've got a door handle about 80%. Doesn't lock, amazing. There's now a random bit of wood missing because I was not using the right tools. I forced the agenda. I forced it. I could have been patient, waited for help. It was an easy job for someone that knew what they were doing, but I wanted it now. In serving God, they're called to do great things. They're called to, to seek God, lead in purpose, but actually they're called to wait on the timing of God. Are you trying to force something? What I learn from Saul and Gideon is let's not force it. Let's not force it. Is there a child that's just not listening and you're constantly in arguments with them? I really feel for if that's you, don't force it. Don't force it. You're burning yourself out trying to get a promotion, trying to grow a business. And you're forcing yourself to do more than you can handle. Don't, don't force it. God is with you. You're forcing that relationship to work and you're trying way too hard. God, if He's put it in your heart, He will sort it out. Stop trying to force it. I want that house with the big area to host people so that I can host and love 
but I can't afford it. Don't force it. If God calls you, he'll provide for you. The key is to be patient. Hold the line. Trusting God that he's going to provide your needs, remembering that he's done it before and believing that what he began, a good work in you, he'll see it through. So if there are some people here and he called you to lead your family, hold the line. If he called you to be successful in your career, don't force it. Ask God for peace and hold the line. If your health is not where it once was and you're feeling like you can't go on and it's getting worse, have faith, keep going, hold the line. Because he's a God who's a good God. And he'll honour what he said. Can we all stand just for a minute? We're not ending. But in this moment right now, I think everybody in our society, we need to ask God for patience. We need to increase our level of trust. So right now, across this place, if that's you, if you go, hey, there there are some, some things that I feel potentially I've been forcing, God, I want to give them back to you. What I want you to do is put your hands out in front of you now. I just want to pray, God, right now. Shem, I might get you to join me for a minute. God, right now, I pray that if there are things I've been forcing, like Saul, I want to get it done so that I can get your approval, so that I can grow and do what I need to do. Father, we give it back to you right now in this moment. Father, help me to hold the line. Help me to be patient. Help me to trust in you. Help me to lean into your goodness because, Father, you are good. So right now in this moment, just want you to begin to ask God for what you need. Father, I need faith for that child. Father, I need faith for my business. Father, I need faith for my parenting. Father, I need faith for my marriage. Father, I need faith for my health. Father, I need faith for my mentality. Whatever it is, I'm going to trust in your timing, God. But I want you to move. Why don't, you begin to, why don't you begin to pray that now? Come on across, the, across this place. If there's a need, why don't you ask the Lord for it right now? Father, we pray. Every person across this place, you'd give them what they need. And Father, we ask today that if it's patience or trust, you'd give it to us. Father, pray that as we seek you, Father, you'd give us what we need. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Take your seats for a minute. You can stay with me, Shem. By whose power? I wrote here in a statement, function faithfully, because I felt two things, by faith and by being faithful. By trusting in God and being loyal to His call. You see, what's happening in, in, with Gideon in Judges 7 verse 12 is he's opposing, it says there, the camels, could be no, uh, uh, the camels could no more be counted than there are sand in the seashore. Talking about the Midianites and the Amalekites and all that was against him. And I referred to it in Samuel 13, 5. Uh, the same thing is saying that the multitude of army against them was so big. Now, what I want to see here is the function faithfully is that you can function faithfully when you're fearful. And we'll look at that. So what happens is 
It says in the scripture, in Judges chapter 7, verse 10, if you're afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant and listen to what they are saying. After you'll be encouraged to attack them. So he and his servant went down to the outpost. So if you're afraid, go. Did he go? Yes, because he was afraid. Okay, he's got this little army. You jump over to Pharaoh. Pharaoh's got an army that is reducing. So Pharaoh goes and forces it to hold on to people. Gideon is sending them home out of faithfulness. Function faithfully. You can be scared. You can be worried. But you need to know that Zechariah 4.6 says this. So He said to me, This is the word of the Lord to you, Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. God, I've got this army of 32,000 and you're sending them home and I'm scared. But I'll trust you and I'll be loyal to you. So send them home. And am I scared? Yeah. I'm going to go down to the camp and listen because I need my faith to be built. But I'm scared, but I'm trusting you. I'm going to be faithful. Saul, I'm losing men. And and that's my strength. My strength is my army, is my guys. So I'm going to do this offering myself in order to hold my army because they're scattering. So I'll break the rules. I'll go early and I'll force it. Not faith and not faithful. One trying to hold on to man. The other recognising God, if you don't move, I need your power. So you can function in the face of fear. Esther, fast for me three days, because if I approach Pharaoh, he's going to kill me. If I'm not asked to come. Daniel in front of the lions then had to function faithfully in the face of fear. Moses before Pharaoh had to function faithfully in the face of fear. Joseph, when he's sitting in jail and feeling forgotten, had to, had to function faithfully. Paul was shipwrecked, face to face with death, but trusted God in all circumstance. Hebrews 10.39 says this, But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and are saved. Don't shrink back in moments where you think, hey, I'm, 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 things are going down here. It's looking tough. My manpower's low. My energy's low. Because when we look at the Word of God, we realise that it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my Spirit, says the Lord. So Gideon released the men, remaining in faith. Saul tried to hold on to things. I felt the Lord say to me, don't try and hold on to things. We can force things to happen and we can hold on to things and not let them go. You want to stay in your call, you've got to walk with an open hand. God, whatever it is, it's yours anyway. Take it, leave it, give it, take it. It doesn't matter, it's yours. Just use me. Just use me. I'm, I'm scared, but my heart and my hands are open. I need to be in faith right now. But my hands and my, my hands and my heart is open. So worried about people, what they were saying and what they were doing. And often that can alter your course. The call of God is on you, but then there'll be people that'll begin to talk. There may even be people that leave you. 
And then there's Gideon going, it doesn't matter who leaves. Give me the remnant. I'll be obedient and I'll go. I wrote here that that relationship at the core, the direction of your worship, so worship to hold on to people, but Gideon, his response, this is the moment that I really began the Lord to, to, to speak to me. When you're on a journey, we need to get better at celebrating the little wins where God is confirming you're heading in the right direction. We're always focused on the end goal, but be focused on the journey. I remember when we moved here, I still needed a job as a nurse and I was in that coals over the road and I was facing the meat section, not looking behind me, talking to my friend Josh, saying, I need to get a nursing job while I'm here. Behind me came a former colleague who I hadn't seen in years, who I didn't know lived in Melbourne, overheard me saying, I need a job was the CEO of a freestanding medical clinic and I got a job in Coles. I didn't look for the job. But you know what that said to me? I'm walking in the will and the call and the purpose of God. It's just a nursing job to everybody else on the outside. But to me, it said, hey, I'm going to keep putting these things along the road so that you know that I'm with you. Now, when you look at this, Judges 7, 13 and 15, and we need to get better at doing this as a community. I believe this is how you hold on to the call. It says, Gideon arrived. He's sneaking in. So he's scared. And he said, if you're scared, go and listen. That's what God has said. So Gideon arrived. He's at their camp. He's listening to the enemy. Just as a man was telling a friend his dream. He goes, I had a dream. He was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, This can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into His hands. Can you imagine that? First of all, I want to be in a community where I have a dream and then my mate is so prophetic next to me. He's like, I've got the interpretation right now. Let's go. Let's pray. And then the keys appear out of nowhere. So what's happened is there's a dream. It's been confirmed. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and worshipped. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, get up, the Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. When I saw that, you know what I I felt confirmed in my heart? When, When God does something for no reason, we should be drawn to our knees in gratitude. Gideon's reduced the army. He's been obedient all the way. So why did God need to send him to the Midianite because he was scared so that he could be full of faith. He was already full of faith. God confirmed it because he's good and he's caring and he's loyal. When you're walking in the call, God's going to bring little things along your path that I believe confirm the direction we are going. We need to stay the course. We need to stay the course. But what we need to do is we need to let us be drawn to bow down and worship God. Gideon bowed down and worshiped God based off the confirmation that he was going to do what he said he would do, but he hadn't done it yet. 
but yet Gideon worshipped as though he had. I believe as a community, as we walk out the call of God, we need to thank Him for what He has done because what He has done is enough. He's given us His Son. He's confirmed we're saved through faith because of the work of the cross. Uh, That's what we thank Him for what He's done. But we're also going to thank Him for what He will do because you've called me, God, to be influential in my world. Though it's hard right now, though I'm in the grind, though I'm afraid, though I can't say much, I'm going to hold on to those little moments where I can see your faithfulness and I'm going to bow down and thank you for what you will do.